1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
0: Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina with my co-host, Glenn McMillian, from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Corder from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips. From the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida, and we have a new co-host, John Rowe from the state of Arizona. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you are tuned into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ who ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713 955 Zero 0508 zero or oh, you can go to the blog talk radio website and listen to the show live there i just checked the website you'll find this radio show on page two when i looked at it before we came on the air so it might have moved up to page one that's normally how it fluctuates there's 10 shows per page on that website and there are over i believe 1600 shows on the air at this hour and you will find this show on page two of that website, I just think that's outstanding. That to God be the glory in for making that happen. Now, if you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts, you can send your emails to my new email address, ButlerSteve one zero zero nine at yahoo dot com, or you can call Stephen B Media Production at the Carolina Studio at nine one zero four nine one six four. I'm sorry. Yeah, I had it correct. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and study along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show.
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
0: Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you abide with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine Word. Father, we pray that you would be with my co-host Brian, Christian Coleman, and Steve Codel on the show this evening as they break into our listeners the bread of life. And also my co-host, Glenn McMillian, who will be answering our questions that on the hearts of so many. We just pray that you would bless them and their families that support their efforts that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners this evening who are tuning in via blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be safe? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we will not have a hope of eternal life. While even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak and we often fall short of thy will. For we pray that you'll continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful until death. For we pray that you'll save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all.
1: Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the broadcast this evening. Our speakers for the show this evening in the first segment my co-host is brian christian coleman he serves with the Newer church of christ there in new-, new jersey he'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of christ and in the second segment i have a question from my shout it out platform I'm on social media on facebook that i'll be posing to my co-host glenn mcmillian he serves the waterview church of christ there in richardson texas he'll be answering our shouted out question and then to close out the show my co-host steve Cordle. he's evangelist for the east park church of christ there in danville Illinois. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next one's here will be that of my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman. Enjoy the show.
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
2: The
3: the there are souls to the rescue There are souls to save Send the light Come on send the light. send the
2: light Send the light The blessing God's for
3: light let it shine. From soul to soul. Come on send the light The blessing God's for the Let it shine more, evermore. More evermore. All right. Oh, oh,
1: listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
0: Now my co-host Brian Christian Coleman and his subject, The Church That Christ Approves.
4: First of all, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Brother Butler, thank you for allowing me another opportunity to come on this program to share what little I know of God's holy and divine word. And to all those who are listening this evening, We'd like to welcome you to another opportunity in the studying of God's Word. This is a great opportunity that we all should remember and never take for granted, the opportunity when the gospel is being on the air, it is another great opportunity of saying thank you, Lord, for another day. He watched over us last night as we slumbered and slept. He allowed us to rise on the due time of life once again, that we may be able to move about and you think it? As I say, from my, my good friend Dr. Jerry Houston, if you thought it was your alarm clock that woke you up this morning, I double double dare you take it out to the cemetery and see if anybody gets up. So it's not your alarm clock that woke you up this morning. It's by God's grace, love, and mercy that we're here once again. Say Amen when you can. And if we have any visitors here tonight who are listening to our program tonight, ask that you may please take the time to have a piece of have paper and pen. And have your Bible open as well, because we're going to talk about the Word of God. We're not going to be giving our opinions. We're not going to be giving our thoughts and how we feel. We're going to be coming from the gospel, from the Bible itself. And by the Bible itself is God's holy and divine word. So please take note. And if you find yourself in the area where you need to make a change in your life, that you need to put on Christ's baptism, just let uh, Brother, Brother Stevie Butler know, let Send him an email message, and he will inform you where the nearest Church of Christ is over this great land and country where you can go and tell the preacher, I heard the Gospelite radio show, and these brethren were on the show this, that, that evening, and they taught the gospel. And I want to become a member of the Church of Christ. We're about to go into our lesson right now. We ask that you may please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to begin with verse 13 to 19. That's the, the book of Matthew. That's the first book of the New Testament. Chapter 16, verses 13 to 19. And if, you, if you're not there, just say, wait on me, preacher. If you're still not there, say, go on without me. We're going to start right now because the time is short, and there's so much to cover this evening. The Bible teaches us in Matthew 16, beginning with verse 13 to 19. When Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. If that's in your Bible, say amen. I'm going to speak on as the Spirit guides me with this thought in mind. The church that Christ approved the church that Christ approves. You know, we live in a society that if you're going to obtain anything, you must get approval before you obtain that particular object. Sometimes it's a simple process, and sometimes you have to go through a real long process in order to obtain what you're seeking. If you plan to apply for a credit card, you have to get an approval from the credit card approval process. They're going to check Your past payment history on other credit cards, current number of years at that particular address that you live at, current employment history, how long you stayed at your job over a number of of years. And also, they're going to check and see how you pay your other debts, your gas, electric, phone, cable, and other bills. And let me tell you something. That is important to our young people. Your ability to get credit is not based on how much you make but it's based upon how you pay your bills. One day you're going to be wanting to buy a house, a car, or even a job. And if you have poor, a poor habit in paying your bills, you're going to be paying a higher interest rate if you have a poor credit history. That also goes with buying yourself a car. And then you'll finally get approval from the credit card approval division, stating either, we are sorry to inform you that you are, do not meet our credit card requirements, or congratulations, you have been approved for a credit line of $5,000. Now, I don't mean go out there and spend that $5,000 overnight, but save your money because you never know when you may need it on a rainy day. If you want to apply for a job, you have to go through a process to be approved for employment with an organization. You must first have an updated resume, complete an online paper application, then you've got to go to a job interview. Then you've got to pass a background check. And then a decision is made by someone in personnel whether you are hired or not. In that sense, you have to be approved before you are hired for employment. If you wish to apply for a house, you have to go to an approval process before you, they can issue you a mortgage. And they're going to check your credit. They're going to go through your income requirements. They're going to check the capital, how much money you want to buy for that particular house. All of this has to be done. And if you are a first-time home buyer, you have an opportunity using Fannie Mae and Fannie Mac in order to get your, this house. So you've got to go through an approval process before you get that house. And we need to understand here in the year 2022 that we need to know what the, what the Church of Christ approves. There are over 300 different denominations here in the United States of America. And with all these denominations teaching different doctrines, it's hard for a person to find find the, the church that Christ approves. If you want to make heaven your home one day, you need to know the church that Christ approves. If you want to worship God in spirit and in truth, you need to know the church that Christ approves. If you want to be in the right church, you need to know the church that Christ approves. If you're going to be in the church, the church that Christ approves, you need, to follow, you need to follow one way, because God does not accept any substitutions. It is either his way or no way at all. Say amen when you can. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. If you're going to be in the church that Christ approves, you need to follow what the Bible says, not what Mama says, not what Dr. Spock says, not what the President of the United States, but what the Bible teaches. So let me just go start into this lesson this evening. My first topic is the church of Christ does not call the preacher reverend. You know, someone may say, my mama taught me to call him reverend as a sign of respect. Someone says, it's just an old-fashioned custom to call the preacher man reverend. Electronic preachers in Baptist churches, Methodist churches, even in Catholic churches, call their minister reverend. But you may ask the question, where do they get calling a man reverend? Well, the Bible says in Psalms 111 and verse 9, he has sent redemption unto his people. He has commanded his covenant forever, holy, and reverend is his name. Now, you understand, when you call him, are talking about God here. So, you know, when you call a man reverend, you're calling him God. Just so you let you know, then you have people that will call their, call their minister father, master, or rabbi. And you hear people in the Catholic Church saying, Pray for me, Father. Bless me, Father. And a man doesn't have any children. And if he did, he better not claim any of them. Say amen when you can. The Bible says in Matthew 23, 9 and 10, Call no man father upon the earth. Now we're talking about religiously. Not talking about your earthly father. We're talking about religiously. You don't call a man reverent, I mean father. Call no man father upon the earth. For one is your father, which is in heaven. Need to be called master. For one is your master, even Christ. Now, someone may want to ask the question, if I can't call the minister reverend, father, or rabbi, what can I call the preacher scripturally? I'm so glad you asked that question. The apostle Paul calls his son of the gospel, Timothy, brother Timothy, 2 Corinthians 1 and 1. The Apostle Paul called Apollos, a great gospel preacher, Brother Apollos. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse number 12. The Apostle Paul called the Apostle Apostle Peter, excuse me, called the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest gospel preachers that have ever lived, Brother Paul. 2 Peter 3, 15. Now, if Brother Timothy is all right, if Brother Apollos is all right, and Brother Paul is all right, then brother is good enough for any preacher. Say amen when you can. My second point this evening, the Church of Christ does not use instrumental music. If you visit many denominations, either for a funeral, wedding, or for general worship service, you will find that they use mechanical instruments of music. If you remember on the TV show, uh, the Bobby Jones Gospel Hour, that was on BET. You saw uh, gospel artists using instrumental music. You turn on your radio and you hear Shirley Caesar, Kirk Franklin, and others, and they all use mechanical instruments of music. Now you ask somebody why they use instrumental music, they'll be surprised when you're asking that question. And then they say it assists in the singing, in the praising unto God. But the Bible church of the first century, you cannot find any scripture where anyone used mechanical instruments of music in the worship service of the New Testament church. But, you know, someone's going to say, well, you know, Brother Coleman, I know there's somewhere in the Bible where it says praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the treble and dance. Praise him with the string, instruments, and organs. He said, I know it's somewhere in the Bible. And you know what? You're right. It is in the Bible. It's in Psalms 150. But ladies and gentlemen, that was under the law of Moses. And we don't live under the law of Moses anymore. Some may say, I know why you don't have it. You know, they talk about the church. You know why your church the churches of Christ don't have it? Y'all can't afford it. <laughs> you can't afford it. I remember hearing the late brother, R. n Holden, had said one time regarding this subject, we can get it just like we can get anything else. We can get it on the installment plan. And the installment plan is when you pay a dollar down, install around for the rest of your time. We can get it. Just like we get other stuff, but we cannot use it because it's not according to truth. John 1:17 says, "The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ." And the Bible teaches us in Ephesians 5:19, "Speak of yourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your hearts unto the Lord." It doesn't say sing and blow. It doesn't say sing and pluck. It doesn't say sing and beat. God wants us to sing. Hebrews 2.12 says, In the midst of the church will I sing praises unto him. <clears throat> it's not sing and blow, sing and pluck, or sing and beat. It says sing. So if it's good enough for the first century church, it's good enough for the church today. Now, you may be surprised at what I'm about to tell you. But a lot of these denominations that have instrumental music, have not always had it. Follow me here. The Catholic Church has not always used instrumental music. When it was first introduced into the churches of Western Europe in 660 A.D., it raised so much trouble in the Catholic Church, they had to take it out. And it stayed out for hundreds of years. It was reintroduced in 1070 A.D. And it was when it was reintroduced in 1070 A.D., is called what is called in church history the Great Schism. The Roman Catholic Church went one way with mechanical instruments of music, and the Greek Orthodox Catholic Church went the other way without mechanical instruments of music. And even into this very day, the Greek Orthodox Catholic Church does not use instrumental music. Let me give you a couple of more examples. The Lutheran Church has not always used Mechanical instruments of music As long as its founder Martin Luther Not talking about Martin Luther King Martin Luther was alive The so Lutheran church did not use Mechanical instruments of music And someone asked Martin Luther Why he did not use Instrumental music And Martin Luther said And this is a quote The organ in worship Is the insignia of Baal and what is Baal a false god my last point on this is the methodist church has not always used instrumental music and as long as their founder john wesley was alive the methodist church never used mechanical instruments of music and someone asked john wesley why is it that you don't have an organ in your chapel john wesley said i have no objection Of an organ being in our chapel provided is neither seen nor heard and I say amen to John Wesley so you have to understand the Church of Christ does not have instrumental music because the Bible doesn't authorize it now I'm about to go to another point y'all better fasten your seatbelts now go on fasten your seatbelts we're about to have some turbulence up here I'm starting to feel like my father of the gospel Eugene Lawton we're about to have some turbulence in here The Church of Christ has no women preachers. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. The Church of Christ has no women preachers. Now, women have come a long way in society. If you read texts from history, you saw women in the years gone by as servants or just property to their husbands. You even see... Some Asian societies, like in Japan, where the men come first and the women come second. We have seen now seen women taking roles becoming council members, police chiefs, fire chiefs, mayors, doctors, lawyers, and you know what? Even judges. You have seen women take positions on a national level, such as New York's own Shirley Chisholm, the very first African-American woman elected to the United States Congress back in 1968. We saw Janet Reno in 1992 become Attorney General of the United States under President Bill Clinton. We saw Condoleezza Rice become National Security Advisor and Secretary of State under under President George Walker Bush. We've seen Hillary Rodden Clinton become Secretary of State under President Obama. You even now have a woman vice president of the United States. But in the Church of Christ, women have not been authorized to preach. I didn't say they can't preach because some women, they they know the Bible says better than some men. But it's not, they are not authorized by the Bible to preach. And you know what? We need to start listening to our girlfriends and our wives more. We'd be in less trouble. But in the church of Christ, women are not allowed to preach. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. The Bible also says in 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor you authority over the man, but to be in silence. But let me bring up something that I feel is important, which is women will rise up when you find sorry men in leadership positions. And I'll be real, you've got some churches of Christ that have women preachers. That's because we've got some sorry leadership of men that have allowed this to happen, but they're not authorized by the Bible to preach. And you know, when I shared these scriptures with a so-called deaconess at my job, and she tried to tell me on the day of Pentecost that women were authorized to preach by receiving the baptismal marriage of the Holy Spirit. That means she's, tell, she's trying to say, that women were there on the day of Pentecost, and they were able to preach. They were able; they had the baptismal of the Holy Spirit, and they were allowed and were able to preach. Now we're going to go and do a little digging right now. Hope you don't mind. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 23, and I want you to put your finger around verse number 14. We're going to be reading 14, 15, 16, and 17. Now, again, that's Exodus, chapter 23, verses 14 to 17. The Bible says three times, thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded thee in the time appointed of the month. Abid, for it is thou cometh out of Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. Verse 16. And the feast of the harvest of the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast shown in the field, and the feast of gathering, of ingathering which is the end of the year, then thou hast gathered in thy labor out of the earth, out of the field, three times in the year, all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. That's in your Bible. Say amen. Now, I want you now to go to to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Now, all of us know that's where the church started. And you know, it's great to know when you know your your Bible. Now, that tells us right here, there are three times that the men were to come together. Pentecost, Passover. Peace of the Tabernacles. Those are the three occasions where the Jews came together. Now, let's see if a woman was there at Pentecost. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 and go down to verse number 5. And the Bible says, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men. You can stop right there. What's there? Men, not women. Go down to verse number 6. And the Bible says, and now when these were noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard him speak in his own language. This is when the apostles were speaking in tongues to the multitude there in Jerusalem. So you see again, there's man, not woman, but man. Drop down to verse number 8. And the Bible says, and how hear we every man? I can stop right there and prove my point. Again, every man, not woman, every man. Drop down to verse number 13. Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Who? Men. They were mocking them, saying that the apostles were there, that they were drunk. And you know what? Peter had to settle things in verse 14. But so Peter, standing up for the eleven, lifted up his voice and, and said unto them, Ye male of Judea, with all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be known unto you, and hearken my words. For, this, for these are not drunken, as you suppose seeing was the third hour of the day. That means it was 9 a.m. in the morning. That means the liquor store wasn't even open. Let me go on and move a little bit further. Drop on down to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 22. And the Bible says, ye men of Israel. All right, it says again, men, not woman, but men. Drop down to verse number 29. The Bible says, men and brethren, I can stop right there. It just says men and brethren. It didn't say men and women and brethren and sisters. It just said men and brethren. We got one more verse. Drop down to verse number 37. And the Bible says, and now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren. Now, I didn't see woman in any of those verses. No woman was on Pentecost. And they were not even authorized to be there because three times of the other year, which was Feast of the Tabernacle, Pentecost, and Passover, the men were to meet and not women. Say amen if you can. Let me go on a little bit further because my time is rapidly running away. Basically, has the Church of Christ has the correct name, doctrine, and practice. It has the proper name. In the world, there are over 3,000 denominations we've discussed already, and you know some of them. Some are Confucius. They have, you have Confucius, Buddhists, Lutherans. Some have, are named at the rocks, mountains, and cities, like Mount Moriah Baptist Church, Great, Greater Jerusalem Baptist Church, and so on. All these denominations have been founded by uninspired men, such as Charles Path Russell, John Wesley, John Smythe, Martin Luther, Jimmy Crying Lion, Jimmy Swaggart, C.H. Mason, and C.P. Jones. All of these denominations have man-made creeds that govern their churches, the Baptist Manual, the Book of Common Prayer, and others. Some well-known domino- denominations are the Baptist, Methodists, and the Church of God and Christ. But all of these denominations, well-known denominations, all of them were man-made, have man-made founders, and all of the different uh, doctrinal books that are used, the question of the floor is, are they the church that Christ approves? If you're going to be a member of the church that Christ approves, you need to be a member of a church that wears Christ's name. We've already studied Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 17 and 18, where we, we learn, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell. Should not prevail against it. Singular noun, singular pronoun. my church. Drop and find Romans 16 and 16, where the Bible says, salute one another with a holy kiss, and the churches of Christ salute you. Turn your Bibles to um, Ephesians 5 and verse number 23. And the Bible says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. But someone will say, you know, I'm tired of you Church of Christ folks saying that you're the only church in the Bible. I know that the church of God is in the Bible. And you know what? I admit the church of God is in the Bible as well. But to get a proper context, let's go to Acts chapter 20 and drop down to verse number 28. Acts chapter 20. Bring your Bibles, open them up. Turn those pages, especially those who are visitors tonight. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28. The Bible says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers, to feed the church of God. Ah, someone's going to say, you see it? I see it there. The church of God is in the Bible, but you got to read a little further. And the Bible says, which he has purchased with his own Blood, his own blood. Now, we all know that God is spirit, God the Father. He's a spirit, right? We know that the Holy Spirit is a spirit. But what's God have flesh and blood? Jesus Christ. And that lets us know that the the household of God is, I mean, excuse me, the church of God is also another phraseology of the church of Christ. And not only was the church called the church of God, it was called the church of the living God, household of faith, kingdom of God's dear son. All these phrases refer to the one church. And you know you have to have the right doctrine. If we find the, right, the church, find the church of Christ approves, we need to look for the church that has the right doctrine. And I'm not saying any doctrine. You've got to have the right doctrine. That's why the Bible teaches in Matthew 15 and 9. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. The Bible also teaches us in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 22, which are, all are perished with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men. And may I ask, what is the gospel of Christ? What is the doctrine of Christ that I should follow? That's a great question. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. For I deliver unto you all which I also received, now that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. Now, the doctrine of Christ is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now, just to let you know, there are four parts of the gospel. Facts to be believed, commands of commands to be obeyed, promises to be enjoyed, and damnation to be employed. The facts of the gospel death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The commands of the gospel, we find this in Mark 15, 16, 15, and 16. If you believe, you are baptized, what? You will be saved. Basically, the promises if you're baptized, you'll be saved. What is the threat or damnation? He that believes not shall be damned. If you're going to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's important to reemphasize that he is the founder of one church. The Bible says, again, Matthew 6 and 18, we read it earlier, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against earth it. You see, the church says, my church. Again, singular noun. Backing up a singular pronoun, He's, the Bible says in John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And we don't have to read all this, but this gives you an understanding. Read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and it gives us an understanding of the order, how things are to be in the church. i want to get to my final point, baptism. As stated earlier, you have different churches that, sp- that baptize different ways. The Catholic church sprinkle. The Methodist sprinkle or pour water. But the question of floor is they are baptizing individuals right. That's why we need to go to the Bible and the Bible by itself. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, and we're going to pack park around verse number 4. Romans chapter 6, and I'm turning there myself electronically and verse number four and the bible says therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that life as christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also shall walk in the newness of life and the requirements of of scriptural baptism you've got to have water acts chapter 8 and verse 36 you have to have much water John 3 and verse 23. Go down into the water. Acts chapter 8 and verse 38. B- baptism is a burial. Romans 6 and 4. is a new birth. John 3 and 5. A coming up out of the water. Acts chapter 8 and verse 39. Matthew 3 and verse 16. And let me just stop by to let you know that baptism is authorized in the Bible. Now, You may ask, Brother Coleman, why should I be baptized? Because it's commanded. Acts chapter 10 and verse 48. You need to get into Christ. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. You need to be raised with Christ. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 12. You need to walk in the newness of life. Romans 6 and 4. To enter into the kingdom of God. John 3 and 5. To wash away your sins. Acts 22 verse 16. And to be saved Matthew chapter Mark 16 and 16 first Peter 3 and 21 finally you need to be a part of the one church now you may be sitting here listening to this program tonight and now you've got the question on your heart what must I do brother Coleman to be saved well you first got to hear the gospel Romans 10:17, for faith went by hearing and hearing by the Word of God And the night you heard the Word of God from the Bible You've got to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. John eight twenty four. except that you believe I am he, you will die in your sins. And he says, if you die in your sins, where I am, you cannot come. You must then repent of your sins. Luke thirteen three and 5, except you repent, you will die in your sins. You then must confess the sweetest words that you will ever say, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts chapter 8 and verse number 37. Then you must go down to the liquid tomb of baptism for the remission of your sins, Acts 2 and verse 38, where baptism, again, washes away your sins, Acts 22, verse 16. Baptism makes you a new creature, John 3 and verse 5. Baptism makes you a child of God, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. And God will add you. You're not voted in. You don't have a committee to go through. You are added by God. Into the church of Christ You don't have to worry about being Voted on You don't have to worry about coming down front And giving a Christian experience And I ask the question How are you going to give a Christian experience And you've never been a Christian Hello But you come down front Give the preacher man your hand And give your heart to Jesus And you'll be taken down into the water Grave of baptism Washed of your sins And you'll come out a new creature Old things are passed away And behold all things I've become new. And if you are a member of the Church of Christ and you haven't been living right, you need to repent. You need to make a a change in your life this evening. You need to stop doing whatever you were doing and say, I am done doing what I did before, and I'm going to give my life over to Christ. And you need to come and repent of your sins. And if you need prayer, we're here to pray for you. Send a message to Brother Stevie Butler here on this broadcast where he can offer you and mention you by name and offer you prayer. And if you also need help with different things I like we all need help. We're all going struggling in this in this world. You may be looking for a job. I know somebody who's got a job for you, and that's God. Because God can take care of us better than we can take care of ourselves. I remember, this the late Sister croon who used to sing with the sang with the Newark Adult Chorus here at the Newark Church of Christ, sung a song saying, you need it, god got it. And he's got everything you need. He owns Wall Street. Our God is large, and he's in charge. And whatever you need, God's got it. And I say to anyone who wants to be baptized this evening, call this radio station, talk to Brother Stevie Butler, send him an email, and he'll let you know the nearest congregation of the Church of Christ where you can go to and you let them know I heard about the Church of Christ on the radio on Thursday evening. These two brothers preached about the gospel, and I want to be baptized. I don't know what's on your hearts, but I give you this time. I pray that God has blessed you with this message, and may God continuously guide and direct you in your lives. And thank you all for listening.
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. There's a land beyond
5: the river That we call the sweet forever And we only reach that shore by faith's decree One by one we'll gain the portal There to dwell with the immortals When they ring those golden bells For you and me There's a land
2: land beyond the river river
5: That we call Shore, shore, I face the cream. the green, the cream. I am the far. Glory, it's the glory, glory Can't you, you hear the boundary again? Yeah.
1: Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion
0: of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out. And we want to encourage our listeners to go to Facebook and join that uh, discussion group there, Shout It Out, and get involved in those biblical discussions now my co-host glenn mcmillian he's going to be answering this question he's from the waterview church of christ there in richardson texas glenn mcmillian how you doing brother
6: i'm doing good how are
0: you i'm doing just fine now this is a very interesting question that we have and the lesson text that we'll be using uh for this question is in second kings chapter 2 verse 23 through 25 let me read the text first and then i will present to you the question And the text says, And he went up from hence unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city, and mocked him, and said unto him, Go up thou bald head, go up thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them, and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth 2 she sheep-bearers out of the woods, and tear forth forty and two children of them. And he went forth thence to Mount Carmel, and from thence he returned to Samaria. Now here is the question. Now this is from an anonymous queries. Why did God send two bears to rip up 42 little children for making fun of Elijah, bald head? What say you to this question?
6: Uh, Thanks, Steve. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, And This is a very good question. I I chose this question specifically to uh, to add to the uh, Shout It Out platform because it is uh, a question that has uh, some important subject to it. When, when we get questions like this, um, we need to not only consider what the question is asking, but consider why is this question being asked? What is the driving force behind this question? And this particular question is a, a favorite of those who are Skeptics of the Bible, those who don't really believe uh, in the God that we serve. And it's usually brought up in the context of if we talk about God as being a God of love, being a a God of goodness, this is brought up as a a counterfeit. If God is so good, remember that time that he did this, that he he sent bears after children. And – it's important for us as Christians not to shy away from uh, questions like this, but to be prepared to, to answer these questions. These are gonna come up, they're going to um, be, be challenging us with these types of questions. And we know that's true because the Pharisees did the same thing as Jesus throughout the Bible. So we know that these kinds of questions are, are, are gonna come up. We should know um, that that, how to respond to them. and and we should not be uh caught off guard and the the expectation by the person that brings this question up is that you've never heard this story before which uh would be shocking if that were actually true um this is this is something that we we know that ha- that happened, and so we should be able to give give a good explanation for uh what happened in this case so having said that let's let's look at the text and see. What actually took place in this story, so we have elisha, the prophet of god is a is accosted by what the King James Bible calls a group of little children now this this is where we get into the textual criticism issue of of the Bible why it's important to have an understanding of multiple versions of the Bible and know the strengths and weaknesses of whichever version of the Bible that you decide to use. Uh, The King King James Version is a classic uh, translation of the Bible. It is very strong in a lot of cases. There are certain uh, very positive aspects to the King James Bible. Um, It has stood the test of time for a reason. But this is one of those uh, verses that, that Reminds us why we can't solely devote ourselves to a single translation. There, I know that there are a lot of King James Version absolutists out there. I uh, our, our, have a friend, Tanner Adams, who uh, once said that the, the English version of the King James Version corrects the, the original text, which is an absolutely absurd thing to say. Uh, we All of our English translations are... Uh, derived from the original text. They they are translations of original source documents. And in many cases, when you're translating from one language to another, you have to make decisions Um, and not always are you making the best decisions in every case. And in this case, we have the King James Version making an unfortunate decision here. To translate these two verses or to, these two words as little children in in, in reality these words are not uh, exclusively used to describe small children uh, the the word that is uh, translated children is the word uh, nar uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly um, which is a Term of youth, but a term of relative youth. Uh, you know, when uh, Joshua, sorry, yeah, when Joshua was working with Moses, uh, Moses referred to Joshua as nar, as a, as a young man. Uh, he was, you know, Moses was approaching 80 years old at the time. Joshua was in his 40s, uh, or, or approaching 40. Uh, he was not a small child, uh, but Joe, uh, but M- Moses refers to him to him using this term "nar." In in the in Genesis, when we talked talked about Jacob, uh, not Jacob, Joseph. Oops. So we go. We were talking about Joseph and it, with his interaction with his, with his brothers. Joseph is uh, referred to. By this term nar in uh, uh, Which verse is it In Genesis chapter 41 Verse 12 Joseph is called uh, By this term nar And when he was Nearly 30 years old And Joshua again in Exodus 33:11, 11 what Is referred to by this term Nar when he was in his 40s and So this term Nara does not necessarily mean children. It, it means a person who is younger relative to some, someone else. Uh, so this group of people was, were, were younger than Elisha, but they were not necessarily children. And then the, the word before it, the word that's translated uh, little, is the word Ketar. Again, I'm, I may be butchering these pronunciations, but that's That's what it looks like to me. Uh, And that word, again, is a term that can uh, connotate the the relative use of something or the relative uh, importance of something. We'll get to that in a second. When, again, when we talk, go back to the story of, of Joseph, when he meets with his brothers, they didn't know that that was their brother, but they were in his presence. He asks them about their youngest brother. The young that, that term for youngest or younger brother, as they go through the con- conversation, is this word kikar. Again, Benjamin at this point is a fully grown man. He's just the youngest of the twelve brothers, so he is not with them uh, because he was left behind. But you know, in asking about him and, and then referring to him, they refer to him as the youngest are the Ketar brother. So he, again, not a child, not a small child, but he's the youngest relative to the rest of the group. Uh, So we have two words here that denote youth, but relative youth compared to something else. So in context, you know, we see these two words together and we we, we get this, this sense that maybe these are little children, and that's what the translators of the King King James put together. But in context, and, in, and if we understand what the all of the possibilities that these words can understand, these are just young men who are in this situation. They're younger than the prophet, but they and they're just kind of hanging out here. And again, going back to Katar, Katar can can mean relative youth. But again, we already have Nar which already connotes that relative youth. So what is this Ketar actually pointing out? Well, Ketar, again, as I, I kind of mentioned before, can also mean relative importance. So Ketar is also used when God is creating the world. When He, when God says, I have created a greater light, the sun, and a lesser light, that word lesser in that verse is Ketar. So if you read it in that context and you understand that this is a this work can be lesser important, but we put these two words together. These are younger men of low standing. So we're not talking about little children who are coming to make fun of this prophet. We are talking about a group or a gang of young men who are of low character. And this completely changes the, uh, the, the dy- dynamics of the situation. So we understand, in, even in our culture, that you know, what happens when we have young men who don't have anything to do just hanging around with each other. They, they tend to get up to no good. And so we have Elisha coming down from the ascension of Elijah which had just occurred earlier in this chapter. He is departing from that area, and he comes across this group of, for lack of a better term, hoodlums. They're just sitting around, not doing anything. And they they accost him, saying, go up. And again, that go up has referenced to, again, that ascension of Elijah. They saw Elijah ascend into heaven and then he was gone. And they would like Elisha to be gone as well. So they're trying to tell him to go up. They're basically tell him, telling him to leave this earth so that we can be left alone. And this is not just an admonition. We can tell by the way that it's that it's done that it's, this is more of a threat. Than anything else, and so the Bible says that they were mocking him. This term "mocking" is not a, a a a term that you would use with children playing around being mischievous. This is a a term that has spiritual connotation. That that is a. That has curses attached to it. If we go to uh, Second Chronicles 36:16, we see how this uh, verse is used in context. Uh, if I can pull it up here. It says that they mocked God's messengers, despised His words, scoffed at His prophets, until so the wrath of the Lord was roused against people, and there was no remedy. This this term mocking is a, you know, a spiritual decision that they chose to rebel against the uh, the admonition of God. So this mocking is not playful. This is not a insignificant. Uh, situation. These people were people who saw the power of God, saw the ascension of Elijah into heaven, knew that Elisha was the uh, heir apparent of of Elijah's mission uh, and and, and ministry, and chose to accost him, and and knowing that uh, he had God's uh, power upon him, and, and remember, he was given a double portion of Elijah's. spirit. So they knew all of this, and they still chose to uh, attack him in this way. So there's a judgment pronounced upon them, um, and that judgment is, is due their actions. And I, I and I, I think that a lot of people have a problem with God being both a God of love and a God of judgment. Um, and they, they somehow see that those, those two being a somehow opposed to each other. In reality, God can't be a God of love and not be a God of judgment. God, God can't be a God of goodness and allow evil to go unchecked. If God is a God of goodness, he's got to draw a line in the sand between those who are good doing the things that they're supposed to do and, and rewarding them. And when people get out of line and start doing things that are not according to his uh, his rule and his authority, um, there's gotta be consequences for that or people won't learn uh, how to be good or that they should be good. So again, we see this what we're seeing here is a, an unfortunate conclusion based on an unfortunate translation of this verse. Um, but the reality of the, the situation is that God did not send bears to attack little children for no reason. He pronounced a judgment on a group of defiant young men who were mocking the power of God uh, in the same way that the uh, the Pharisees would later mock the Holy Spirit uh, in the time of Jesus, so there is a, a pronouncement, a, a judgment being made that you don't mock the power of God, you don't, you don't blaspheme the power of God, uh, and and that was a clear message that was sent um, in this case. And so I think that uh, question. I hope that that clears things up, and I hope that that gives us. Uh, the tools to use in terms of uh, dealing with these types of questions. Again, these questions come from sources that are not necessarily uh, sympathetic to to our our story and our our, our message, um, but they have to be answered directly and intelligently so that they understand that the criticism that they're making has no value. The criticism that's being made here has no value. God, you know, this does not in any way prove that God is some kind of evil monster in what he did here. He He made a judgment based on the actions that these people took, and they chose to directly confront the man of God and 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 they got a, a judgment pronounced on them, them based on that action. Um, there's there's nothing surprising or, or, or wrong with that. So um, we can dismiss the the idea that that God tore up little children with, with, with bears. That, that's not what happened. And uh, it's very clear from context, and it's very clear in, a, in other translations that, that render this verse better. Um, that that's what's going on in this case. It's only if you stick to or hold fast to the the King James Version only as your your text, you're gonna have a little bit harder time uh, dealing with this because the language that they use is is detrimental to the argument. But if we go back to the original language and we actually examine what's being said and what the intent of of the author, uh, we clear that up uh, right away. So I hope that's helpful. Uh, thank you for your attention Keep listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show
1: Shout it out, question You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show
3: To an aged, aged man's But it sounded like a joke Soon his wife would bear a child A saying hard to reconcile So we ask can this thing be Can a nation spring from me With a body mighty things the Lord would do. He would breathe them back to life. His command caused them to rise. Like the
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
7: Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com.
0: This is a program reminder. Stevie B's Media Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. Telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. Or you can go to the website, blog www, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show or just type in your browser blog talk radio and that'll take you to the blog talk radio website and on tuesday evening on the second and fourth tuesday of the month i'm hosting a live show what Word work the Working lord radio show and the second tuesday of the month we have a guest speaker for the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ We'll be making the Proclamation of the Gospel of Christ And also on that show we have Community Corner Segment for small business owners and entrepreneurs Who have products and services for our communities I also have three co-hosts on that show Luke Gilbert the Vengeance for the Old Book Park, Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I serve the Church of Christ there in Cary, North Carolina. And on the 4th, Tuesday of the month, my co-host Kelly Fletcher, she serves the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. She has the Kelly Fletcher Show that will air from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Then on Thursday evening, I'm hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show, And that show airs from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And there are eight co-hosts on this show who will be making their proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And each week I have two of my co-hosts on the air with me. I'm also taking a question from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Out. I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on this live show. And then on Friday night, I'll be hosting a live show B Acapello gospel music blast, and that show will air from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, and I will be, let's see, I'm also playing on that show some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, The Sweet Sounds of Moises, and we're also interviewing artists, Dave, uh, interviewing artists and producers, comedians, etc., and this Friday night, we'll be interviewing Vision from Houston, Texas, acapella group Vision. I'm also debuting new music and featuring old music on that broadcast as well. Then every third Friday of the month we try to do the top twenty countdown show. And then we also have our on demand episodes. These there are just a variety of musical platforms that you can go to and listen to these shows. You can go to Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio, Amazon, Music, Apple, iTunes, YouTube, just to name a few. And we also have recorded version shows. These are just um album debut, mostly the same playlist I used on the live show I did on the Recorded version Show. And these shows can only be heard on iHeartRadio, on Deezer, and also on Amazon Music. Just search for Steve B. Recorded Virgin Show. And we also want to thank our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you would like to become a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager, Michelle Marcus in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And her telephone number is 954-687- 4705. The three E's of Stephen B. Media Production, and it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, and we want to encourage you in the study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcement. You're listening to The Gospel Light Radio Show. My co-host Steve Cardo is coming up next after the break.
1: You're listening to The Gospel Light Radio Show.
3: Elijah rock. Elijah rock shout, shout, Elijah Rock Elijah Rock, come and up
2: the Lord.
3: Elijah rock. Elijah, rock, shout, Elijah rock, shout, shout. Yeah Elijah. Dash, Elijah rock T- lord. Elijah rock come and up lord Elijah rock, shout, shout. Elijah rock. Elijah rock come and up here. Elijah rock, shout, shout. Elijah rock Elijah rock come and Elijah rock, shout, shout, Elijah. rock come and up Elijah <laughs> Rock, come and Elijah, Elijah Rock, come and Elijah,
2: Shout you if, I could,
3: if I could, should Elijah I would, would. I'd stand no around with start, more Elijah, 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 Elijah Rock
2: Shout about Elijah oh, Rock Elijah Rock coming up
3: I Rock. I Rock. la Rock.
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ.
0: Now my co-host, Steve Cordo, and his subject working out your salvation.
7: Good evening, Stevie, and thank you for having me on the program again and welcome to everybody in the audience who's listening to us. And if you want to grab a Bible and open it up to Philippians uh, the second chapter, we'll also be looking a little bit at Titus and uh, Colossians uh, chapter 3. And uh, this lesson this evening is actually a part of a series that I've been doing where I preach about shining as lights in a uh, dark place, uh, let you, letting your light shine. And this particular lesson is dealing with working out your salvation with fear and trembling. What exactly does it mean for us uh, to do that? And when you look at Philippians chapter 2, you can see there that Paul is dealing with one challenge that we have. And let's look at the the passage here. I want to look at verses 12 to 16 of Philippians 2, where he says, Therefore, my beloved, uh, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure, to do all things without complaining or disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Now, what exactly does he mean by working out our salvation with fear and trembling or just working out our salvation? Well, there's two things that he does not mean. When Paul uses this phrase, he did not mean that you can build your own do-it-yourself plan of salvation, like you might go down to Lowe's or to Home Depot and get all the materials and build your dream house to your specifications. That's not what he means. And the second thing he did not mean, and sometimes you'll hear people say when you try to talk to them about the Lord, they'll say something like, well, me and God, uh, we have an understanding. Okay, That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about a do-it-yourself plan of salvation. He's not talking about somebody having a, a, quote, understanding, unquote, with God. He's talking about working it out as God has instructed us to do. That is, we study the scriptures and figure out or we, or we are taught what it is God wants us to do to become a Christian. And we have to remember that if we uh, are saved by grace, as we are taught in, in Ephesians chapter 2, then we are saved without any meritorious work on our part. Uh, we do have to respond to the gospel when it's presented to us, obviously, but uh, we do not respond with the idea that if I do this, God is going to owe me. It is a gift of God that we have salvation, and we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, we are told in Ephesians chapter 2. Now, I want to look at a little bit of a parallel to what Paul says here in Philippians, and that is in Titus chapter 3, where he tells Titus, to remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves are also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works, that these uh, these things are good and profitable to men. Now notice, he's, uh, in verse 3, he's identifying ourselves with the lost. Paul is now providing clear reasons why we should be humble in our treatment of others, and also he's contrasting our, our lost condition with the mercies of God and reminding us that we were at one time lost sinners too. And so those who believe in God should be careful to maintain good works and be careful uh, when in our dealings uh, with others. And so let's look now at this idea of, of, of uh, shining as a light in, in a dark world and working out our salvation. And to do either one, we've got to first develop a Christ-like character. In 2 Peter chapter 3, we're told to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And just think of a plant that goes, you put the seed in the ground, and eventually the plant sprouts and grows up into a tree or a vine or whatever it is that you've planted. Well, as Christians, we're going to be planted, and then we're going to grow the same way. Now, some will grow much faster than others, obviously. But what Peter, uh, that's what Peter wants to encourage us in order to prevent a Christian from falling away is to beware lest uh, being led away with the error of the wicked, he tells us there. We need to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we prevent falling away, is we continually grow. We continually exercise our spiritual uh, muscles by eating a proper spiritual diet, by uh, studying and reading from God's Word. And that's one of the many warnings of Christians, by the way, to be on our guard against falling from the faith, because contrary to what... Uh, some denominations will tell you uh, you can fall away if you're not careful and Peter's encouraging us to increase in the image and in the favor of God every grace and divine influence that you have received is a seed it's a it's a it's a seed that when watered with God's word just like rain coming uh, onto our flower beds in our yard that'll help us to increase uh, and to uh, multiply in 2 Peter chapter 1 He says there, uh, beginning in verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been given to us uh, exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also as this very reason giving all diligence add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter here is defining what is involved with our growth. You look at verses 5 through 8, developing Christlike qualities is a part of our growth. And then verses uh, 9 through 11, that if we lack these things, it's going to jeopardize our entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord. And so that leads to the need for diligence. That uh, to uh, to add these things uh, to our Christian walk. If we lack these things, he says, it's going to jeopardize our entrance uh, into that everlasting kingdom. Now, in Colossians chapter three, it's a 17 verse chapter. And he's going to tell us uh, here through the, his letter to the Colossians, Paul's going to tell us that we have to put off the old man and put on the new man. Another way I guess you could look at this would be taking off the old worn-out clothes and putting on new clothes so that you, you, you're starting over with that. You've got a new look, a, a, a new impression that you're giving, and that's the way as Christians, a, a sort of new look spiritually that we are now wearing new clothes. We are the new man. Paul is explaining Christians in behavior of that putting off the old self and that we should be dead to our old nature to the old ways that we lived and that we uh, did things and then he says going on uh, especially with the uh, first seven verses here he goes on to tell us about setting our mind on things above what is our ultimate goal our goal as Christians should be an eternal home with God, and there is the uh, the thing that we need to set our minds on, and to stop doing the things that God's wrath is going to come uh, is going to hit one day. We see in verses five through nine, and then through all this, we'll develop Christ-like qualities. And then he further says that uh, beginning uh, in, if you look at verse fifteen that God's peace is to rule our hearts. And our hearts need to have thankfulness and gratitude to God for saving us. And we let Christ's word dwell in us richly in verse 16, and we do all with the authority of Christ or in the name of Christ. And then by developing those Christ-like characters, we'll not only save ourselves, but we'll be shining as true lights uh, in the world will be shining as lights that people can see. And light, remember, if it's shining directly in your face, you're going to shield your eyes from it, and it's going to cause you to want to back away. But if it's like a lighthouse and it's sitting uh, on a hilltop and it's meant to guide you in and keep uh, keep a ship, let's say, from hitting the rocks, that's the kind of light we want to be for the Lord. We want to be guiding people in to where they can uh, be with the Lord and they'll... Uh, become, they'll want want to have what we have. They'll want to have that peace. They'll want to have that assurance and that forgiveness of sins that comes with being a Christian. So then we have to develop Christ-like attitudes, but also Christ-like service. Now, in order to develop a sense of service like Christ had, we have to fulfill our function. So what's our function? Well, in Romans chapter 12, Paul admonishes us to uh continue on and develop our function, we'll going to look at that idea of our function here in just a minute. but Romans chapter twelve, we have a reasonable service to perform, which is to prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God, and He tells us how to do this effectively by maintaining a proper spirit of humility that's one thing that really gets Christians into a lot of trouble is when we don't show the kind of humility. That we really need to show. In verses 4 through 5, we need to remember that the body of Christ, that is the church, has many members, but we don't all have the same function. It would be unreasonable to expect everybody, and let's just say you have a 100-member congregation, it would be unreasonable to expect everybody in that group to do the same thing and in the same way and to think the same uh, same things and, and in the same way. Paul is using the concept of a human body to teach how we need to live and work together. Now, remember, my, your body's got different parts. Your hand is not made for the function of uh, of your foot or of your lung. Your hand has got its own function and its uh, own design. And so we need to exercise those functions and exercise whatever gifts that we may have. Now, everybody has got some kind of a gift, some kind of a talent, some kind of a function that you can contribute to the congregation where you are and help it to grow, to help it um, uh, reach the loss. And you need to minister or use your gift or your function or your talent as a steward of God's uh, grace. Now, as to exactly what your function or your talent or gift is, you have gotta figure that out uh, uh, yourself. Not everybody's gonna be able to get in the pulpit and preach sermons and not everybody is going to be the, um, uh, a good song leader. You know, like me, I am not, I'm a mediocre song leader at best. I'm the guy you call for song leading after you've called everybody else and you can't find anybody. It's just not a talent that I have. Uh, there are some people that I've known that are great song leaders, but they're not that great at, at teaching a class necessarily or at uh, preaching a sermon. Uh, maybe you're the kind of person who's really good at visitation. And you can you've got a gift for being able to go and uplift people who are, uh, who are injured or who are sick, because that is a special gift. I, there are people I have known that I, I honestly don't want them going with me on visitations because uh, the person we're visiting will end up feeling worse when we're, after we depart than, than when we first got there. So you can figure out whatever your gift your your, your, your uh, talent is in Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. We see that everyone needs to be a good steward of what we do have because one day we'll have to answer for what we did. When you see there the uh, master, after he goes on his long journey, and now here he is, uh, he's returning, and he calls together the uh, men that he gave the talents to. You have the five-talent man and then then a two-talent man and a one-talent man. And the five-talent man and the two-talent man both, uh, uh, invested, and they got a return on what the master left them with. But then we hit this one talent guy who just took uh, the the talent that uh, he was left with, and he just uh, simply went out and uh, and buried it, and didn't do anything with it. And then the man, uh, or the, the master, got upset with him, and see what happened to him when uh, he didn't even try to do anything that was that was the main thing is he didn't even try to invest it or try to put it in the bank and, and get an interest on the savings so it's apparent that uh, he had some expectations when he got uh, got back that he was going to get a return on, on this t- these talents this money that he left and it was also apparent that he had expectations even of the one talent man and they knew it And so they uh, were held accountable for that. And we see that because of the coming accounting with our Lord, we need to use our gifts. We need to use our our service uh, uh, for for him and for spreading the kingdom. So when it comes to developing a Christ-like character, we need to remember that service will go a long way towards that. And developing our Christ-like character and putting it into service is how we are going to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and we need to be careful to maintain good works as we are told in titus chapter 3 in verse 8 because paul wrote about the the death of jesus on the cross he said that jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous for good works so the question i would leave you with is are you zealous for good works and are you using your talent and using uh, your, whatever gifts you have and whatever function you have, are you using that to further the kingdom and putting your, your efforts with the other efforts of the Christians wherever you assemble and putting forward uh, the kingdom and, and pushing the frontiers of the kingdom forward? Remember, uh, Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail, meaning we're to be on the offense. We're to be pushing back. The gates of hell and pushing back the frontiers of Satan and what he's doing uh, in the world. So that that's my lesson for this evening, and I just want to encourage everybody. If uh, you're a Christian but you haven't been particularly active, let me encourage you to get active. And if you're not a Christian and you have not been immersed into Christ to have your sins forgiven, you need to really do that. You need to make sure your name is in the Lamb's book of life. And I would encourage you to you know get in touch with. uh, with Stevie, get in, you know, get in touch with me through social media. Get in touch with somebody who can direct you in the, uh, in the path that you need to be taught the truth of the gospel and what it is that you need to do to become a Christian. And thank you for your attention and for joining us this evening. I thank you, uh, Stevie, for the opportunity to be on the show. And uh, we will see you next time.
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
3: Somebody despairs Somebody walks the path alone Watching others walk around in pass. Somebody's in the street now Somebody's in die Somebody has some no place to go
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. I'm telling you, these two hours went by fast. And that's how it is when you hear the preaching of the gospel of Christ. You just get so caught up in what you're listening to and what you're hearing on this program. I certainly appreciate my co-hosts, both. Uh, Brian Christian Coleman, and Steve Korda for those fine lessons that they presented on this broadcast. I also want to thank my co-host, Jim uh, Million. He did a fine job in answering our questions from our Shout it Out platform. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just so thrilled to be bringing you a weekly broadcast. It is our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthening because you not only tuning in to this radio broadcast, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler, and I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you.
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to The Gospel Light Radio Show. You've been listening to The Gospel Light
0: Radio Show. Episode 286.
3: Everything I've done Every thought I've had You know everyone And Lord, you know Every time I fall Still you come to my rescue when I call And Lord, you hear Every idle word Every thoughtless deed, how it seems upset that Lord, you give not what I am due, but mercy. You come to my rescue. You come to my rescue. You come to my rescue. Being there For my rescue And Lord I give all I can give All of my heart Long as I shall live So Lord Oh Lord I just want to thank you For coming For coming To my rescue you come come to my my rescue. You're coming to my rescue rescue. You're coming to my rescue
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.